So we're just leaving Wendy's um, uh, studio now, and the best way I can describe the studio is like this, as if Aladdin's cave, but Aladdin was a painter, because there's just paints everywhere and bits of clothes and paintings and sketches strewn across the floor. In the corner, there's a stuffed tiger. I think it's a stuffed tiger. It's a tiger of some kind, and giant gilt mirrors and chandeliers and... And Wendy in the middle of it, looking more fairy tale like than anything else. <laughs> when you're painting, which would also apply, I would say, to if you're writing or if you're composing music or if you're doing anything like that, when you do something that isn't right, it's not really a mistake. You're finding your way, and the only way to find your way is to try something. And if that's not right, and you have to throw it away or scribble it off or chuck it out, it's not truly a mistake. Is it this? No. Is it that? You find your way by trying things until you find the right thing. So I think that, although I would not call it a mistake, doing things that don't work is part of being a creative person. You have to. If everything you're doing works, then you're not doing it right, because that means you're just doing boring, safe crap. the second episode of Fallible, the podcast about the failures that make us human. You made it back. Yay. Thank (laughs) you. Um, Seriously, though, I'm Rosalind, one of the co-hosts of the show. And I'm Maddie. We're really glad you came back because this week we're talking to the artist Wendy Sharp. This was really interesting because last week, Maddie, you didn't really know anything about Michael Kirby, and this week I didn't know anything about Wendy Sharp when we started um, researching her. A very slight revenge. (laughs) So, Rosalind, what did you think when you Googled her? I thought they were, uh, her paintings were amazing. They're full of these rich, vibrant, voluptuous women who are cackling with laughter or making love or, or having a very soulful, quiet moment to themselves. And I really wasn't surprised to find out that she actually won the Archibald for one of them in 1996. So we were really lucky to visit Wendy in her studio, which was filled to the brim with enormous paintings, finished and unfinished. And she chatted to us about how sometimes failure isn't this thing that happens to you. It's actually a process that you can use to move forward. Normally what we see when we see an exhibition Obviously, when we read a story or we watch a movie or whatever, we, of course, have seen something that's been edited and edited and selected and selected and selected. We have not seen all the roads that they've gone down and then come back from. But what happens is you do something and you say, oh, that's no good, but it can lead through to things. Mm -hmm. It can be an editing process. Or even something that looks like it's been painted very quickly, Um, it has... But because I don't want it to feel laboured, I want it to feel fresh, that might mean restating it and restating it and restating it and redoing it and doing it. Is it like this? No. Is she looking to the left? No. Is she looking to the right? No. Is she looking down? Is she looking up? Is it looking this way, this way, that way? No, 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 no. And then finally you find the right one. It's almost like the mistakes become part of the creative process. Yes. You, you, ha- you can't see it exactly before you start. Things like actually just technical things, things like watercolour. If you work in watercolour, 
traditional watercolour, which I don't, you need to have designed it first because you can't, without going into technical details, if you muck around with it too much, if you paint it on and then you decide you don't like it, if you muck around with it, you lose the lovely, light, spontaneous quality that it has. So you need to have decided what's going to be light and what's where the light's coming, what's the light bits, what's the dark bits, what's this, if, if something's going to be dark red or if something's going to be pale yellow or whatever. You want to have that already worked out before you start. Whereas everything I work in, you don't. So I'm working in oil paint, which you can decide to wipe it all off or paint it out. And when I'm working on paper, which I'm doing at the moment, here today, I'm working in gouache, which is opaque watercolour. So I can have something that's black and then, in fact, I'm actually working on black paper, but I can have something that's black and then decide it's white or decide to get rid of it entirely. And um, I don't really know whether I want to do that until I can see it. How do you feel when you look back at a sketch that didn't work out or an early draft that you didn't like? How do you feel when you sort of see those paths not taken? Um, sometimes, well, if it's just no good, it's no good. You can actually learn from, I'm reluctant to say mistakes again, but from roads not travelled, if you like. So if you sit down and you do a whole lot of quick sketches, there may be some, sometimes you do a lot of quick sketches, sometimes you think I'm scribbling something and I think, oh, that looks like, um, a dog in the background, it wasn't meant to be, but it looks a bit like a dog, or maybe I could have a dog in it, you know, or something like that. So if, you, if you're open to things, you can get ideas from, you know, sort of half-baked things, and it's about collecting information and not being too rigid. One of the things that I like to do is to actually, if something doesn't work, is to paint over it and then work on it, then you've got a nice piece of paper with a nice interesting background to make another one. So sometimes these disasters, you know, it doesn't work, you paint over it and then you've got another thing to come back again. There's also something quite liberating about getting some, rid of something that doesn't work. If something doesn't work out, you know, it's good to try and see what you can do and then sometimes you're just not frightened anymore to try anything because you think, this is crap, it's not worked. It doesn't matter, I can try anything on it. But then there's just a point where you can say, look, this is just not good, I'm going to get rid of it. And when you do, it's a relief, because it's like this problem, it's like a puzzle that's been hanging around, irritating you, and um, sometimes it's just not worth it, and you're better off to come at it again from a different angle. An important thing that I do remember when I was a student, I'm probably like 22 years old or something, and in those days where I was, they would you would have different lecturers for each semester. And um, one semester, I'd been working over a few paintings over and over and over, trying to change the colour, trying to change the tone, do different things. So, you know, there's one particular painting that I had of these two women on this beach and I tried it in bright colours, I tried it in dark colours, I tried it in strong tonal contrast, I tried it this way. And I'm working over and over and over the same painting over and over and over. At the end of that semester, I don't remember how many paintings I had, but not that many. But someone wisely said to me, you have painted about 10 paintings on each of those. Why don't you do them on separate canvases? And so the next semester I had 25 paintings. Some of them took a long time, 
Some of them were quick, some of them were small, some of them were big. Some of them were not very good and some of them were okay. But it was much better because I could see them. You know, I could actually see them. And um, I guess, you know, I could have photographed them all the time, but, and, I, and I'm not saying that you should always just leave things half-baked and go on to the next thing, but it was much better to see a lot of them and to sit there and look at them and say, okay, these ones don't work out so well, but I could see what I was trying to do. You know, you don't want to lose all your drafts of things, I suppose we're saying, and it is a bit like that. I think with 25 paintings. Yes. What happened to them? Oh, they've, most of them would have been chucked out by now. I think probably all of them. Might have a rotten photograph of a few of them. I've probably got a few photographs actually somewhere. But, you know, and a lot of them should have gone, definitely. They probably all should have gone. But at the time it was a good thing to do. It's just better to see them. When you're painting, if you need to change something radically, if you take a photograph of it before you paint it out, it makes it easier to paint out because you feel like you've got a record of it. But I'll tell you, you almost never ever look at it again. You don't really want it. It's just, it's a psychological way to make yourself do it. I don't know if I'm brave enough. I might, like I can imagine having a file on my desktop that just says buggered up articles. And every time I looked at it, I'd be like, I'm a terrible writer. Yeah, you probably won't want to. You'll never want it. You'll never <laughs> want it. But there's often an odd little idea in there. There was a good idea, but what was around it just, it, or what you tried to do with it didn't work. But there is something good in there. And that happens with painting, exactly what happens with painting. Sometimes you could try, and which is what you probably do do, is you can take that idea and then come at it a different way. How do you feel when you look back at the stuff you did when you were younger? Um, some you think is fine and some not. But it's interesting, it's interesting to see work you haven't seen for a while. And... Um, look at it and you know sometimes you think oh that's you know it's different to what I do now but that's pretty good but other times you think oh you know I don't like that all you can do is I think you shouldn't let anything go out that you don't think is right you know like if you think it's a bit dodgy don't let it go out and that means don't exhibit it or don't publish it because you if you at the time think it's quite good or okay that's all you can do if you're going to come back in 10 years' time or 20 years' time and think it's crap, well, you can't predict that, forget that. If at the time you think it was valid, it's okay. If you don't, then you shouldn't have it coming out to represent you. I always say to myself, if this appeared in an exhibition somewhere in years to come representing me, how would I feel? And if you feel, oh, yuck, or oh, I don't know, then don't let it go. As 2014 came around though, Wendy's careful regime of revising things and looking them over was broken. She started work on this project called Seeking Humanity, where she created 39 portraits of asylum seekers and refugees. But she only had a couple of hours with each subject. Just a couple of hours to capture their faces, their lives, and get it right. I didn't have very much time to decide how I was going to draw them. So they'd come and sit with me. I'm thinking, okay, um, come up with an idea. Sometimes I would come up with an idea for a pose. Sometimes they would sit in a certain way and I'd say, that's great, let's do that. So I would do a very quick 
one or two minute scribble just to decide what part of the body I was going to draw and then I'd be onto it. I was worried that I, what I didn't have the chance to do was that I didn't have a second go. So unlike what I've just been talking about with what I would normally do is um, I wouldn't be working like that anyway but if I was I would try something, don't like it, do it again and then I would also go through things and edit them and not show all of them. Whereas in this case, if someone's come and posed for me, or sat there for me for three hours, um, it's got to be in. So it's, they're all in. Everything I drew was in it. So obviously some portraits I'm more pleased with than others, but they're unedited, and that's a little bit scary. Yes, less. Well, I just look. To me, it's quite brave to show everything that you did. So I just think, oh well, it's just too bad. Some are more proud of because I think that they're a better drawing and they show more. Others, you know, I'm not so pleased with the drawing for whatever reason, and I just think, oh well, it's got to be there. It's part of a body of work anyway. I also know most people can't tell, but that doesn't make it any better for me. I can tell. If you were looking at a catalogue of Wendy's work around 1999, 2000, you'd find something quite different from her previous and even current work. The colour palette goes dark, her subjects are even more ambiguous. Because at the time, Wendy had been appointed the Army's official artist and was embedded with the Australian peacekeepers in Dili, East Timor. She was constantly moving, sketching every waking moment and then transforming the sketches into artworks back home. But much like the refugee project, the whole editorial process was kind of frustratingly taken out of her hands. The head of the art department at that time, she's retired now, Lola Wilkins, was great. She went through and she chose and I thought, oh God, it's pretty scary. It's like I didn't really want her to choose because, because you could choose anything. Luckily what she chose, they weren't necessarily what I would have chosen, but they were all things that I thought were valid. But it's a daring act to say, this is all the work that I did here, here it all is, I'm not editing it. You travel a lot mm. and do a lot of work overseas, um, so East Timor, Paris, mm. you do travelling, painting tours. Yeah. Is there anything that you've come across um, when you've been travelling and regretted not painting or not capturing? Oh, that's a good question, God. Oh, I don't know. Oh, God knows. There must be. I mean, I think it's never be too frightened to speak up, which I guess is back to that sort of shyness thing. You're scared to ask someone, could I do this or could I do that? You know, I think sometimes I'm not, it's not really pushy, but not forward enough or something to ask, could I do this? Because, uh, you know, I mean, on occasions when I've been travelling and, you know, I've dared to ask someone if they could come back and pose for me or something. You know, I, I think probably there's probably been examples where I've just not felt that I could ask that, whereas really, I wish I had, you know. Things you did as your younger self, you know, like you at that time you didn't quite realise this or you didn't quite realise that. I mean, I know that when I was young I was, was quite naive and I was also shy. 
And so I wish, you know, it's, it's not really a mistake, but I wish I had been less naive and less shy. If I'd been a different person, there would have been opportunities that I could have taken. It's not truly a mistake because you can't help being whatever you are, but I wish that. And I mean, just one little thing, which is such a tiny thing. When I was 26, I won the Sulman Prize, and that's a prize the Arc of New South Wales with the Archibald, runs concurrently with the Archibald. Actually, Wendy didn't think she was going to win the prize at all. That year was the second time her work had been selected for exhibition, and she was so confident she wouldn't get it, she was actually in Melbourne looking at exhibition spaces when her mother got a call. It was the Art Gallery of New South Wales politely suggesting that Wendy go along to the Sulman Prize Awards. Wendy was like, no, it's okay, and the Art Gallery was like, no, really, you should come along to the awards. <laughs> Wendy had no money, so she caught the overnight bus back from Melbourne and got in at this ghastly hour. She said later, I was 26. It was just so unbelievably exciting. They have one artist each year judging that. And the artist that they had that year was Albert Tucker, so very important, obviously, in the history of Australian art. And for him to have given a prize to someone who's just out of art school, 26... That was really a great thing. I remember my parents saying to me, you should write him a letter and say, thank you, that was really great. And I thought, oh, no, you know, I didn't realise. Actually, that is what I should have done, of course. I now know that. But at the time, oh, no, it won't, you know, sort of look uncool or something. No, of course it would have been good. I mean, that that's a tiny little weeny thing. He may have done nothing. He may have just wrote a note back saying... I liked your painting, I was glad to have given it to you. But I guess if I'd been a different person, I would have taken a few extra opportunities that I didn't. What do you think you lost out on by not sending that letter? I might have lost out of nothing. But, you know, it might have just been an interesting experience to have got a note back from him. There would have been lots of examples where I could have gone over and said hello to someone and I didn't, you know. I mean, they're all, they're all little things that might not lead to anything. But it's like you often only get one opportunity for all sorts of things. And then you kick yourself that you didn't do it. And you should do it. Thanks for listening to the second episode of Fallible. We're so glad you came back for the second episode. Thank you again. Seriously, thank you for coming back. Come again. Yeah, and in all seriousness, we do have some really great interviews coming up, so we'll hope you come back. If you liked this one, though, tweet us at Fallible Podcast or leave a comment on our Facebook page, Fallible Podcast. We also have an email address, so if you've got a mistake or a failure that you want to share with us, please email us at fallablepodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you guys. As always, a massive thanks to Tom Spire for the beautiful music that he composes for each episode. He is the third Beatle of the Fallible Podcast Band. We'll see you next time. Bye. give you a really nice quote um, that I particularly like. This is a quote. Um, this is a quote. Oh God, what's his bloody name? It's just gone out of my head. Oh, it's really amazing that I can't think of his name. 
Alessandro Chia. It's an Italian artist, and it's um, something like, Art is a monster. You don't know where it is or what it is exactly. But as an artist, it is your responsibility to enter the labyrinth and bring back its head. Oh, another quote, which is a Picasso quote, which I like. Inspiration exists, but it has to find us working. I really like that. The idea that you walk around waiting for ideas is ridiculous. You only get ideas if you are working.